Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in the podcast card. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Uh, you know, doing alright. Not really much has been going on in my personal life in the last week, but uh, weird fucking day on the internet, huh? Between uh, <laughs> the Scott Program anime and then like a few hours later, hey, Trump's been indicted. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like, Scott Pilgrim anime, barge sinks, train overturns. Trump yeah, yeah, like. yeah, there's all that stuff. <laughs> to be fair, like, tweet about that, uh, the one barge was, I think, from yesterday, I think it was. I think that's yeah. true, yes. Yeah, but we all, like, we kind of saw it earlier today. But yeah, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's really weird, and also how we were both like, should we cover the Scott Pilgrim anime on the podcast, actually? <laughs> <laughs> kind of went like, yeah, powerfully. <laughs> I mean, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I don't want to do it if it's still running. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I mean, how many times have we had to, like, change up our plans because of Arrow House where it's like, it didn't come back sooner than we were expecting, and then... Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> like, um, we've... we've about several episodes recorded ahead of time where this is about this will give us a buffer about three weeks so at this point like i'm gonna have to move the owl house finale up or <laughs> or it'll just be really late so yeah i mean that kind of also depends on like what your availability would be like since you're currently dealing with like finals bullshit at school Hey, finals. <laughs> well, by the time this episode goes live, at least we'll be in the past, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, by the time this episode goes live, I'll be getting my preparation for graduation stuff out of the way. Yeah. This, this is my last semester, and it's the last two weeks of my last semester. <laughs> Which means that I just have a nightmare amount of paperwork to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Kind of haven't been doing a whole lot besides just playing more Fortnite because my friends suck and <laughs> got me into that. <laughs> Still, uh, I hey, I haven't spent more money on it since, at least, yet. <laughs> came came a little close when I saw that there was a sexy vampire hunter lady on the store. I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> but I, I held strong. <laughs> so who, who knows? Matter of time, I feel. <laughs> Me, my, my friend JP is like, oh look, Vi, they put they put the uh, My Hero Academia characters on the store again. I'm like, uh, there's no froppy, so I don't care. <laughs> to yeah, be to be fair, also seeing like Deku, Ochako, and well, I was about to say Bakugo, but I guess actually Bakugo using a gun would actually make sense in some regard. But like even like All Might, seeing them use a gun just seems wrong. <laughs> I don't know, sounds pretty normal to me. I mean, I know there is, like, literally one of the superhero teachers at their school that's, like, superpower is literal guns. But, like, mm -hmm. it feels it feels weird when it's in the hands of, like, the teenagers, because, like, they're all, like, 16 or 17 or whatever, besides All Might. And, so, like, <laughs> and also, again, like, All Might. It's, I was about to say, All Might's whole thing is, like, not being that destructive, but it's like, nah, he can literally create tornadoes by punching real good. So... <laughs> Yeah, All Might is kind of the most destructive character, so... Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's good destruction, right? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> it's a weird... It's a, it just continues to just be such a weird game that it's like... How they have, like, all this fucking... 
stuff from like all these other properties and like i mean they currently like have their like easter event going on so there's also like some like anti-gravity chicken eggs that you can get by just picking up eggs from chickens that tip them out basically <laughs> mm -hmm. oh god damn it there's a fucking uh rainbow colored uh weapon skin called roy g wrapped that's <laughs> not at the moment well, of course. yeah it's not like it's not like uh pride or anything it's just like it's like springtime more or less <laughs> uh, there's a fucking ice cream cruiser that you use as like your like uh um it's like the parachute thingy that you do near the end of uh the drops yeah yeah because i'm looking at what's on the store at the moment <laughs> through uh website yeah yeah no the my hero academia stuff is still up i guess it's up for a few days at a time because, like, at some point, they really just, like, made the shop just so much bigger, but it seemed like most stuff switches out after just a day. <laughs> so, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's a weird fucking game, and it's really interesting. It's really strange just seeing, like, characters in different art styles, because it's, like, you have, like, the anime characters, like the My Hero Academia people, or, like, Goku and Vegeta, in, like, cell shading, and they don't fit <laughs> as a result. <laughs> They don't match everything else in the setting of Fortnite. They're just there as they're actually like, like literally ripped from the TV show and put into this like, not realistic world because it's Fortnite, but it's like the the cartoony aesthetic of Fortnite, and it's like they still stand to happen. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I it it's uh it's one of those kinds of games that I'm like yeah it could be like something that my friends only stick with for a few more weeks or it could go on for months who knows because. Sometimes they kind of just go from game to game at a time, but other times it's like they just stick with something forever, and it's like, well, I guess I'm stuck now. I'm trapped. <laughs> but the thing is, we keep occasionally winning, and it's always good when you win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> I simply don't think that would be enough to keep me even vaguely interested in Fortnite. It's not good enough of a game. <laughs> now, if they added uh, a gameplay loop where you go to all the mining spots and then sell your gems for money and then use that money to bring, I don't know, Stitch to your village, then I... <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, th trying to remember where you were going with that, and then I was like, this has to be that Disney thing, and then you said Stitch, and I was like, it's that Disney thing. <laughs> That's the Disney thing, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a really weird game, too, is the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's... I, I don't know how to talk about the fact that Ariel and Ursula both live in your village, like, two doors away from you. Yeah. It's so weird. Again, like, it should be, like, them being, like, it's on fucking sight. <laughs> but also, Ursula is kind of the best character in the village because she is the one who is explicitly evading scrooge's capitalist system so what the hell yeah can you side with her can you can you overthrow this bullshit and like get scrooge mcduck evicted from the world Un unfortunately no Boo. but uh the good news is there's no cops in dream Life valley so he can't do much more than complain <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, no, she uh, she operates her thing on a barter system, so you ask for a fish, she'll say, okay, give me this flower, and he's real mad about that, but... <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, um... 
I did that a little bit. Not a ton. I haven't had a lot of time to play games this week, but I did that, and I watched John Wick 4, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. Yeah, I, I and... keep hearing a lot of people just be like, John Wick 4 is not good, really, at all. I mean, I, I see, I've seen none of the John Wick movies, but I know people like the first three, right? Yeah, um... How do I put this? John Wick has never been, like, a masterpiece of writing or storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, but it's, it has you're there, had you're, some of the most incredible kinetic action yeah, scenes in cinema. Like, I've seen some bits of it. Like, I think it's in this from the second or the third, where it's just him, like, walking down a corridor, like, just taking out, like, ten dudes back-to-back -back or whatever, and it's like, yeah, I see why people like this because of this. That happens so often, I could not I, Fair, yeah, that fair, fair. <laughs> I don't even know how I would look it up to see where it's <laughs> what's in particular. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like... These movies always have a little bit of a problem with... I guess the word I want to say is international and racial dynamics, mm -hmm. because the action hero star is almost always a white guy, yeah. and typically the villains aren't. Yeah, pretty much. This one really leans into it in a way that I'm not super comfortable with. <laughs> like, it's it's worse than usual is the thing. Mm. There's, a, there's a scene fairly early on in a movie where a, a group from Osaka has to fight the uh, international boss organization is, I guess, the words I would use. But like, yeah, the, they're Americans. Yeah, the, the League of the League of <laughs> Evil Lexes, but in John Wick's continuity. <laughs> I suppose it's they're more like Interpol but evil. But in terms, I understand. But, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. double evil. <laughs> but either way, they're you know pretty clearly a stand-in for the Americans. You know how it is. Yeah. And the thing is, is that everybody in the Osaka faction has bows and arrows and katanas and shurikens and they have two sumo guys mm. and the american squad is just loaded for bear with every modern weapon imaginable and super bulletproof armor yeah like, there are two people in the japanese this, faction this, who use guns yeah, and they're like, guns that they steal from the corpses of americans that got yeah killed. it's like <laughs> what were they going for like oh let's make these guys like they're fucking overwatch characters or something <laughs> Like, here's Hanzo like and Genji, yeah. and I guess whoever the fox shrine mating girl is in Overwatch 2 is, I forget <laughs> her name, Kiriko? I think it's Kiriko. I think that's right. But yeah, like, especially because in John Wick, they've established, they have incredibly advanced bulletproof armor. Mm. Like, those suits he wears in every single movie, those suits are completely bulletproof until you get up to, like, an assault rifle or better. Oh, okay. I, so, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize it's basically like fucking nano machines in his suit or something like that that stops small arms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they know that, and they know that that material comes from the big boss of evil people, mm -hmm. and they know that that's what their basic troops wear, and they still are just throwing shuriken at them. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll wait. No, hang on a sec. They're doing exactly what I did for my first superhero character in my tabletop group that we that we played back in like. 2006. They stole that idea from me. Literally played a character who had <laughs> nanomachines in the suit. <laughs> John Wick, you owe me royalties. <laughs> there is... And I'm not joking about this. One of these guys, in a fight scene with John Wick, I counted this, mm -hmm. he shoots this man in the face 15 times before he goes down. <laughs> because of his armor, it's that good. And so, 
When he, you have that level of tech on the field, I just this insistence on traditional weaponry and bows and arrows makes it feel real sus to me. That that makes it sound more like he's just got fucking like Mjolnir armor, but it doesn't look like Mjolnir armor. But he still has the energy shield that Master Chief has. Well, this is one of the bad guy minions, <laughs> okay. so he's got a mask made of that stuff. Oh, okay, that's that, okay. That's how he's getting shot in the face that many times. I get you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it sounds it sounds effectively like he did have power armor. <laughs> I mean, Which by all extent, yeah, well. by all extent of purposes, based on how you're describing it, it's like he might as well just be fucking Master Chief. Which I don't know, John Wick Five have John Wick Five Master Chief. I don't know. Sounds like that's <laughs> where this is going at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I say, he got shot 15 times, but they were all at close range. Like none of them were more than six feet away. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really good armor. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, that and one of the uh, new characters introduced for this movie is named Cain, like the biblical Cain, which is fine, mm-hmm. except uh, he's a blind character whose name is Cain, and yeah, I feel like I'm. It's, it's I, a lot. I feel like I'm missing something there. Uh, think about a blind person and think about the tools they use to get around. Oh, oh, fucking goddamn it! How did I miss that? <laughs> it's so fucking obvious. Uh-huh, yep. Ugh. That's not good. <laughs> it is not. But on the positive side, they did bring in a character named Nobody, and he's basically the best character in the movie. So <laughs> <laughs> I did see you at least excited about that, yeah. <laughs> like being yeah. like, well, this movie kind of sucks, but <laughs> there's a character that shares my name, so... Yeah, Nobody's <laughs> Rad. It's like the fucking uh, IGN uh, Hogwarts Legacy review of, like, this sucks, but also this one thing gives it 9 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, kind of, yes. I... I think nobody is the most defined, nuanced character in John Wick since the first movie. (laughs) So yeah, I'm big into it. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's my week is paperwork and a movie I didn't enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like being still on the fence of like, do I want to finally try to get into a movie theater for the first time since pandemic began because of the D and D movie and also fucking Mario. Like the two, the two movies that I did not think would ever be the possibility of me getting into a movie theater. One about Dunstan Dragons, and the other one about Super Fucking Mario. <laughs> to use the term Rihanna always yes. <laughs> so it's like it's yeah. What the fuck is going on with movies? <laughs> it's like D and D releases tomorrow, and Mario is like the next week. <laughs> like the problem there is that it's like. Because I, you know, normally am at work until, like, around, like, 6 p.m. There's, like, really no time that I'd be able to get to a movie theater without it being crowded. Because, like, I mean, yeah, it's going to be more crowded on the... Pain. Yeah, it's going to be crowded on the evenings and on weekends. And it's, like, that's really the only times I have. Because, like, the only day that I have coming up soon that I actually would have off is the day that everybody else would have off. Because it's fucking Memorial Day. <laughs> so it's, like, yeah. And even then, it's, like, by that point... I guess actually, you know, maybe Mario and D&D would still be in theaters by that point, because that would only be like a month and a half or so, roughly, since they were released. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could always try to get like an 11 p.m. showing. Those are usually relatively empty. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess maybe it's just a case of like, do they even have showings of Mario that late? Is the thing. That is a good question. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, it's clearly like designed more for a younger audience, even though like... 
again, everything except Chris Pratt in those trailers they shown is like, actually, this kind of rules, <laughs> weirdly enough. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, it's, it's weird. Like when they announced that thing, it was like, so myself and I feel like so many people were going to be like, that's going to be a dumb crap movie. And then like everything they've shown since then, except the main lead has been like, what? you're actually like put fucking effort in this. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, weird fucking time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, um, that's... I don't know. I got nothing else except, uh, you know, President Indicted, let it burn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Generally, I'm not a believer in the carceral system, but in this one specific y Yeah, case, it's like sometimes you have to make exceptions, even though it's kind of dog shit most of the time, because it's like, you think about it where it's like, if this guy isn't found guilty, then he can run for president again. And you know, if he gets mm -hmm. back in power, he's never going to leave, and he's never going to make it be a possibility that he could ever potentially be indicted again, because he's that fucking corrupt as an asshole. <laughs> Oh, don't worry, there's still four more ongoing investigations. This could happen True, several more true, times. it could. <laughs> oh, boy. If any of those ever actually come of anything at this point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, this is not a politics <laughs> podcast, so unless you've got this, other stuff this, to chat despite about... Despite kind of how think... often we bring up politics, actually. <laughs> Turn, turns, out, yeah. turns out it's kind of hard to not get political at times when you're a couple of queer people, especially trans people. <laughs> that, and also we keep covering shows that are about fighting fascist Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's, it's still to be seen, I guess, how it gets later on in Infinity Train. I can say for sure, just because, again, my knowledge of Infinity Train is mostly just from season one. But who could say? <laughs> uh, you know, there's definitely some Nazis in this show. Oh, cool, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not not where I was expecting that to go, but okay. <laughs> like most of what I knew, most of what I do know of future seasons is mostly from book two because of MT. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I think it's a little early compared to the way our chats normally go, but I'm not going to complain because this is our season finale for for book one. Yeah. So like even though again we probably got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Like even though the episodes themselves are relatively shorter compared to what we're used to, it's like doesn't hurt to get into it sooner. Yeah. So uh, my episode this week is book one, episode nine, the past car, which is a misleading title. Um, <laughs> Te also technically not the pass card because the pass card doesn't actually exist <laughs> that is exactly what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. yeah. that's <laughs> part of the trivia of like this is the first episode that's technically not named after a proper car because there's no car called the pass card <laughs> yep yeah. uh, so we open in the ruins of the ball pit car everything has collapsed the lights are not on, the doors are sealed Tulip is still just sitting there depressed, and the goat that was once Atticus is just trying to bash its way out of the tube that it was trapped in. This is super morbid. Uh, yeah. This is very much the, uh, I've got my zombie boyfriend in this house energy. Yeah, yeah, it really does read a lot like that, of like, you know, you trapped him and you can't bring yourself to, like, put him out of his misery by shooting him in the head kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she spots Atticus's crown lying on the ground and picks it up to put in her bag as Sad One and Glad One arrive with her lost shoes. 
I don't remember her losing her shoes, but oh, I assume it has something to do with the ball it's, court. Yeah, it's because she took them off to enter the ball pit. Because there was a sign yeah. that says, please take off your shoes, because that's common courtesy for ball pits. But yeah, that's... How horrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, ball pits are the worst. Ball pits suck. Don't go into ball pits. <laughs> like I said before, they usually are for the, like, piss and vomit, because they're full of little kids, and little kids are full of piss and vomit. <laughs> That or drunk people who are full of the same things. Um, True. Or, I mean, I, I was about to be like, maybe not so much in the case of the fucking ball pit at the uh, whatever convention that was, but at the same time, very few people went <laughs> Very few people went there. They probably didn't give a fuck, so they probably let them drink shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one one's doing a comedy bit about how they're a shoehead now, but Tulip does not go for it. At this point, we get the revelation that Sad One is, like, punching up Glad One's bits this whole time. <laughs> um, He's a hype man. <laughs> for sure. And uh, Glad One asks, what's the deal? Like, because Tulip's got her shoes back on and she's leaving, and he's worried that they're leaving Atticus behind. But Tulip just, she understands pretty instinctively that that isn't Atticus anymore, and they have to keep moving. But the train does not like this at all. So at the top of this episode, her number was three. But as she walks away, her number goes up very, very quickly. Like, ten steps away, she's up to 67. 1-1 is really worried about this, but Tulip no longer cares. Not that she's ever been, like, super into the number thing, but... At this point, like, she doesn't think she's made any progress, and so it doesn't matter what the train thinks, because she just brought Atticus here to die, and nothing and no one can change that, so who cares? Yeah, she's, she's really buying into what the conductor said of, like, you know, they technically would have been fine if you didn't take them from where they belonged on the train. It's your fault. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not my own fault that I picked him up and shot a gun at him. <laughs> Cle- yeah. Clearly, you're the asshole here, Tulip. <laughs> Because they chose to accompany you. Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who think that's how that works. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, at this moment, she believes that it doesn't matter what progress she does or doesn't make. She'll be stuck on the train forever, and so she just wants to be anywhere but here. She's stopped from leaving by another interruption, though, because the cat survived. Um... She's, like, buried in a pile of rubble, and she's acting performatively surprised that Tulip isn't bouncing back already, which is mostly a play, I think, to get Tulip to pull the rubble off of her, but it does, like, that's kind of the narrative those two have had this whole time, is the Tulip surviving unexpectedly thing. Yeah, so I have to ask real quick, because, like, when the episode opened, like, Tulip was, like, sitting on the ground for her head in her arms, and, like, kind of, like, looks Mm -hmm. up. I interpreted that as, like, she fell asleep after everything. Like, after she cried herself to exhaustion, she fell asleep. If that's the case, Uh. the cat's been pinned under this rubble for, like, fucking hours. (laughs) I did not interpret it that way, but I see where you're getting it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, like, at some point the cat's just there being like, can you you please wake the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Come on. Oh no, she has to wait for the appropriate dramatic moment. She's all about showmanship. <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. Yeah. I'll just stay here with my bones uh, slowly crunching into dust. That's okay. Don't worry, I'm good. <laughs> Ooh, ouch, owie, my bones. <laughs> 
Uh, so she tries to set up a deal where Tulip frees her and gets something in exchange. But Tulip interrupts. Uh, the only deal she's willing to take is that if she saves the cats, they are done. No more trades or deals ever again. The cat does not actually agree to this, but Tulip frees her first anyway, so you're bad at this Tulip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't the thing is, you though, didn't get the prom you didn't get the cat's promise before you did that and let the cat out. Uh-huh. But yeah, the thing is though, is that even though I said earlier she was buried in rubble, she's super not. She's just like tangled up in a net. <laughs> the scene is drawn in such a way to make her look buried, but all Tulip has to do is untangle her paws from the net and she's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really that much. But yeah, so as repayment for this, the cat decides to give Tulip some information because there is a way to save Atticus. Uh, this absolutely enrages Tulip, who suddenly gains ridiculous reflexes, and she's able to grab the cat out of midair, and uh, she just starts dangling her by the back of her vest, in much the same way that a mother cat would dangle the babies, and you should not do to adult cats. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, here's the question, though, because, like, she is the size of, like, a normal adult cat, but she's also a sentient cat, so it's like, is, is, is it okay? To, and probably not still, right? Because it's like he's still yeah, she's still a I mean, cat. That's just a physiology. Yeah, thing, like even so. even though she's a sentient cat who sometimes seems to have thumbs, sometimes doesn't. Because depending <laughs> on the situation, I guess. But it's like yeah, it's still a case of like, yeah, I guess you shouldn't really do that. Yeah, like as they grow up, they lose the scruff, so oh. she just doesn't have. It. Oh, but yeah. that's a bummer. But the scruff is the best. <laughs> it's like this. Like remember, like think of like the scruff and like, or not scruff, scruff, but like the little like soft part behind like a bunny ear, bunny's ears. It's the softest mm -hmm. fur. <laughs> ferrets have that thing your entire life, but that's also because like a lot of times you have to basically like grab a ferret by there to put them in the sleeper hold to get them to calm down if you're doing stuff like because <laughs> like at times it's like to be able to trim their nails but it's also that's something that their like parents would do to them if they were being a nuisance as yeah i think i think they're kids i think that's what they call baby ferrets and so like that's something that you have to kind of do early on even when they're still young to get them to learn so it's like it's always a fun thing where it's like oh yeah i think back and it's like ollie hated being like uh put in the sleeper hold so he would immediately chill out as soon as he did that to him being like okay i realize i overstepped the boundary tucker built up <laughs> a resistance to it and eventually in beauty you could just do that to him and he'd be like yeah what the fuck ever <laughs> you ain't doing shit to me <laughs> wish cats had a thing like that ziggy <laughs> has lately taken to she'll throw my paints around mm -hmm. whenever she gets whenever she wants attention really and so I've started putting her in what I call air jail, which is I just pick her up and dangle her for a while. And she doesn't like that, or at least she didn't used to, but now that I've done it a lot, she started really enjoying it, so I have to... Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Cats. Cats. <laughs> yeah. Either way, uh, in this specific case, it's okay, because Tulip is holding the back of her vest, and the vest is dangling the cat, so it's not a scruff issue. Okay. Um... Very well-made vest, though. Uh. Yeah, and surprisingly, uh, it's something we'll bring up later, but even when, when they enter the TV, her vest is, like, fully repaired, and she doesn't, like, all scruffed up from the, the like, the ball pit place breaking apart, but Tulip still is. So it's like, mm -hmm. what's going on there? Well, I mean, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, the cat insists that it is true. Atticus can be saved, and the answer to how to do that is on the tape that she grabbed when she was kidnapped, way back during the cat's car, if you remember several episodes ago. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why she grabs that in the moment. Maybe she thought she could use it for blackmail. I don't know. Either way, uh, Tulip is super suspicious of this on account of the last time she saw one of these, it was a trap. But the cat promises that the tapes only trap you if they're your tapes, uh, and since this one isn't Tulip's, she'll be safe. She doesn't say whose it is, only that they're someone else who's very important. So, like, again, this really feels like a trap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, you're not really doing a whole lot to alleviate my concerns here, cat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, so Tulip. Also, yeah. we got to point out it's a cute little BTV. BB. <laughs> it's a little bumblebee. I... <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, okay. BTV, yeah. <laughs> it looks like a bumblebee. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, um. So, though Tulip is super suspicious of this, um. The cat agrees to watch the tape first, which will prove that it's not a trap, and mm -hmm. fortunately there is a soul VCR just, like, right there. Super convenient, honestly. Um, but yeah, the uh, cat is essentially arguing that the conductor tried to kill her too, so now she's on Tulip's team, which only goes so far with the cat, but... <laughs> yeah. Either way. The cat the cat will basically uh you know, once the cat is even with you, the cat will easily go ahead and side with you again at the moment's notice if it's convenient and profitable for the cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so she sits down and watches the tape and she just sits there for a while. And this is kind of the point that I was meaning to make a moment ago, like the last time when Tulip got sucked into this tape her whole adventure was super fast. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, it yeah. happened between the words of a sentence Atticus was saying. And the cat is just sitting there for, like, a while. So I feel like the reason she's not scuffed up and injured is because of time dilation. She had plenty of time to request <laughs> yeah, and recuperate and I, I repair guess, her best. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, presumably time doesn't really advance inside the TV unless... <laughs> It's either your, like, if it's your tape, it just happens, but if it's somebody else's tape, like, you have to actually will it to happen, and so, like, the cat being in there, the cat's like, well, I might as well wait for them to inevitably look at the TV, because they want to see what this is on the tape anyway. Yeah, I mean, even just a few seconds in the outside, I feel like that could be at least a couple hours in there, so she had time to, to fix herself up. To fix her suit. <laughs> <laughs> With her lack of thumbs. <laughs> Yeah, but when has that ever stopped her before? True. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so Tulip checks on the cat, who is just sort of staring glassy-eyed at the TV, the way a child stares glassy-eyed at the TV. <laughs> and then she gets sucked in also, because she looked at the TV by accident. Um, and then one one is there too, uh, just kind of chatting about how sleepy is sleeping is creepy, which I absolutely agree, little dude. It is freaky as heck. I, I mean, um, when you really do think about it, sleeping is really weird because it's like you're you're just like lose all consciousness and you don't know what the fuck's going on around you for hours at an end. <laughs> yes, if you'll excuse me, I just need to go die for thirty percent of my life. <laughs> Yeah, I just got enter stasis for uh like you know roughly a third of my life. Yeah, bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Think of all the time you'd get back. You didn't have to sleep. Oh uh, yeah. Um, neither of them really know how one one got here, and Tulip seems really bothered by it. But I don't know why, because it's like there was never anything said about how this didn't work on robots. This isn't new Presum information. Presumably, he... she was hoping that, like, 
if it was another trap of the cats that one one could somehow like see and alert her to try to get her out or something. Maybe, but what she really seems concerned about is how he got here, not why he got here. Yeah, and meanwhile, one's like, eh. <laughs> just here. He doesn't yeah. know how. It it just works. There's no evidence to suggest it wouldn't. It's fine to deal with it. <laughs> But yeah, um, so they all start walking through the white void together, and this one is, like, broken. There's just patches of static dripping and leaking everywhere, and while they're walking, Tulip asks why the cat is helping them. And, you know, she admits that this whole thing was to save herself, because she thought by giving Tulip up she would be safe, which Gladwin just finds absolutely hilarious for some reason. <laughs> But then a wall opens up, and they walk through it to find themselves in an old-timey British schoolhouse. It's uh, it's more or less impossible to tell what era this is, because British schoolhouses have looked the same since roughly the 1300s. <laughs> but I would guess that it's about 1960, because Amelia, one of the students, has built a crystal radio. So that is that is a rough estimate. <laughs> yeah, like, um, if not 60s, then maybe 70s or so. Yeah. But also, uh, her deskmate, Ulrich, has placed a whoopee cushion under on her teacher's chair. And it's the fact that they have whoopee cushions does mean that there is mass production of rubber. So it's clearly got to be after the World Wars, at the very least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just trying to look it up. I don't... Oh, wait. Um, so I am seeing... We'll, we'll bring it up later, I guess. Because uh, there's a certain age yeah. listed here that I'm seeing that might give more insight. Well, like cards on the table, mm -hmm. we will see some future time periods. That's of true. His tape, yeah, because and be that will tell us that this is okay. indeed the 1960s. Yeah, so. yeah, fair. Yeah, basically, just based on process elimination. Yeah, it's like yeah, this would be the 60s, because yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um. So one one finds the whoopee cushion scene very funny for some reason and asks the tape to play back. So it does, and we see the teacher sit on the whoopee cushion again. The recording just does what he asks. And Tulip asks how he did that, but he doesn't know. And then we flash forward to Amelia and Ulrich at their college graduation. I'm sure. I'm Ulrich sure is... that's fine. That one one can just do whatever he wants in the tape, and there's no explanation, and he doesn't know why. Seems yeah, all totally up. Normal. It's all on the up and up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I don't understand the issue. It's great. It's a great power to have. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this is Amelia and Ulrich's graduation from their engineering program. And Ulrich is super nervous, but uh, Amelia is there to comfort him a little, talks about maybe running out and not doing the stage thing. And I do want to say here, this school is canonically in England, right? They, they, they didn't go anywhere to their engineering program, but the commencement speaker is an American for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and then we cut forward again, and this is the part that really proves to us that that first scene was in the 80s, in the 60s, because this is Ulrich and Amelia as adults running through the rain. It's in London somewhere. They're just having fun. They're playing. And uh, they want to get home, so they decide to call a cab, but they don't have any change for the payphone. <laughs> so Amelia pulls out a flute, and she freaks the payphone, which I'm just thrilled to see, because, like... Yeah, I didn't really know that that was actually <sighs> a thing. It's part of the trivia that I have that, yeah, this was an actual thing you could do on the phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it super is. Like, I've mentioned on this show before that when I was a teenager, I read a lot of, like 
late 80s uh, anarchist texts. And this is one of the things that's really covered in a lot of detail in those is how to freak phone systems. And I do want to say that's freak with a P-H-R-E-A-K. Yeah, I did notice that, yeah, based on but, what it's in trivia. Yeah, but like you almost never see that in media. So this is this is really exciting mm-hmm. to me because this is like the revolutionary systems of my teenage years that were already 30 years out of date. <laughs> but yeah, um, they call a cab. It's cute. They're having fun. Um, let me cut forward a little bit where we see Ulrich playing an Atari 2600. But when Amelia comes downstairs, he throws on a hood and has these glasses on and starts talking with a voice modulator about how he's her human boyfriend, but actually he sounds like a robot is the thing. And uh, Tulip is shocked to hear that uh, he's the conductor. That's the conductor's voice there. Um, They have a cute scene here. They hug robot boyfriend. And Sad One has a line here about how being in love is a mental disease, which... Harsh little man. But... (laughs) (laughs) Tulip is just frustrated by this. And she's impatient because the cat did say there was a time limit on saving Atticus. So she asks to move forward and 1-1 agrees. Which just drops them through the floor and, like, I don't want to say fast forward because that's what we've been doing already, but they kind of fall through the time vortex into the end of the tape. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they arrive at the same house on a rainy day and there's a bunch of people outside in suits knocking on the door and saying that they'll be there for you and that the service is starting and they need to go, but... You know, Tulip just sort of walks through the door because it's a memory, and there she sees a hunched figure wrapped in a blanket and crying on the floor. This is probably totally fine. Um, she asks where Amelia is, and 1-1 answers that she is gone forever. And then the simulation changes again. (laughs) (sighs) 1-1, you gotta, like, new powers and suddenly being ominous? It's creepy, man. You gotta... (laughs) I dig it. One, um, one, yeah, one, so one this, got a taste of power that's already gone straight to his head. He's fully drunk on power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He learned how to do ominous proclamations real fast. <laughs> um, yeah, so this new scene, they see a hooded figure walking down the street in the middle of the night, and Tulip tries to give chase, but she's stuck in place because the conductor tries to distance himself from this memory, so it just pushes her away, too. And she asks one one for help, and... Uh, you know, because he could control the other scenes, so surely he can do this one. And then a weird thing happens, which is that instead of just moving closer to the hooded figure, they zoom, like, all the way out to space, where we <laughs> see that the white void is actually just a maze in the shape of a brain, and all the walls are white, which is kind of cool, actually. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Tulip spots the scene they're looking for, and then they zoom back in to the outside of that same engineering school from before where the conductor is greeted by the train rushing by, and this whips off her hood, revealing that this is, in fact, Amelia and not Ulrich, because Ulrich is the one who died. Rip Uh, rip to Ulrich, we barely knew you. I never realized I did not write down Aldrich's voice actor. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you do that? Let me do that. (laughs) Uh, Rip to Ulrich, you wrote a book report about Alice in Wonderland, and you ate a jar of jam in class. The end. Oh, he's Matthew Reese again. Okay, well, we've already covered him before then, I guess, technically. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> he just keeps um, he just keeps coming back. We can't get rid of Velos. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so they uh, they see Amelia get on the train, and then they wake up back in reality, where the cat explains that there used to be a different conductor, but Amelia kind of staged a coup and took over for her own reasons, whatever those might be. The tulip doesn't super see how this helps Atticus, but the cat points out the cannons that are on the front of the train in the memory. The conductor repurposed them to, you know, shoot people with them to turn them into gomes, so Tulip figures that, well, she knows how to program a 16-bit video game. <laughs> she can probably reverse engineer them. I gotta ask, why are there cannons on the front of the train? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, if they're, the, like, is it presumably to deal with whatever might be in the wasteland that might be in the way of the train, but the train also can, like, do its own bullshit thing and just show up in the real world whenever it wants? So it's like, yeah, like you think the train can easily avoid like obstacles in the wasteland or whatever, right? <laughs> that is a really rough question, right? Because like we don't even know for sure whether the gomes are a naturally occurring life form. Maybe they only come from these cannons. So what's the? Mm. We just don't know. Yeah, I guess. It's very possible that maybe there are other trains and the cannons are so you, they can fight for dominance. I don't... <laughs> no, this, there's only room in this entire fucking dead expanse of nothingness for one train that teaches you to accept, like, whatever's going on in your life and move on in order to actually have a future. You can't have another. You... Oh, sure. Well, this is the self-improvement train, but the other train might be, like... The worst train. You don't get off the train until you're a worse person. The infinity, the infinity train having an all-out war that never ends with the infinity boat and the infinity plane and the infinity car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's actually just Australia then, and this is Tank Girl. Got exactly, it. yeah. Um. <laughs> or Mad Max, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, either way, uh, Tulip is kind of really mad at the cat at this point, because, like, she could have just told Tulip the thing about the cannons, and now Tulip has seen Amelia's whole life, and she knows the person that Amelia is, and all the hurts she's experienced, and she doesn't want to feel bad for her on account of she is basically a monster, but also, like, now she knows that this is a person and not a monster, and that makes it much harder to fight her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, because... She's she's just running from her life because she's afraid of change, and Tulip realizes that they're doing the same thing. And this uh, causes her hand to start glowing just something fierce before a hole rips open in the side of the train, revealing a vortex, and on the other end, on the other end, her home in Wisconsin. So, like, the thing is, time is weird in this series. Mm-hmm. Sure <laughs> because, is. Yeah. Yeah, when she left home, it, there was not snow, but there is snow now. Well, it started thing, It started snowing when she walked outside. Yeah, when she was in the forest, yeah. there was snow, but there was not snow at her house. So, I don't know what this is meant to mean in terms of, like, time passage. It, it's just very strange. Yeah. But, either way, um, yeah, she can see her home on the other end of this vortex, and... Because her self-realization has brought her number down to zero, the train is ready to take her home. One one is thrilled about this, he celebrates a little bit, but actually she's not ready to go. Because she will not go until Atticus is safe. Because, you know, if the conductor is a person and the train is a machine, then there's nothing to stop her from computer engineering at a sixth grade level to get out of this. <laughs> She's probably more yeah, like Yeah, she's grade. at least in, like, she's in junior high at the least. 
yeah, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they just uh, start grabbing, like, pieces and parts of the collapsed car and the cat's shuttlecraft and an arm that was severed off the conductor robot, and they uh, manipulate the car systems so that the uh, cat's shuttle can, like, interface with the train directly and steer it, and so they uh, they pop that sucker out of there and bring it up top of the train and uh, just zoom right along the top towards the engine. And that's where we end, with uh, Tulip staring out the door of a vehicle that is moving at several hundred miles yeah, an hour uh-huh. without being knocked over by wind pressure. Yeah, she has like a little <laughs> bit of a stumble at first when it first starts moving, but it's otherwise fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not immediately eating every potential like normal bug in all of the wasteland being flung in her face or anything. <laughs> I truly have no idea how they are like... With that door open, as fast as this thing moves, it should be generating enough wind pressure to stop them from moving. Because, <laughs> like the, the 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 whole car should be swallowing air with the door open and yeah. acting like a great big yeah. parachute. But, but also, the fucking train makes no goddamn sense because it's a weird interdimensional bullshit train. So the train can do what it wants. Train says, "Fuck I your guess. physics." <laughs> also, I guess I guess uh, fucking poor. Uh, Oh god, that guy from the previous episode. I guess that guy died in the entire collapsing of the the ball pit car, huh? Because he doesn't show up at all. Kaki bottoms. Yeah, Kaki bottoms. I was like, I was like, Saki bottoms? No, it's not Saki. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't show back up. So it's like, I guess he died, right? <laughs> or um, or he immediately decided he didn't want anything to do with them because they basically took brought death and destruction to his home. He might just be sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Permanently. Uh, but rip, I... rip khaki bottoms. <laughs> Maybe question mark. Does he come up again ever? I do not know. Mm, let's see. Khaki bottoms. Uh, he apparently has one appearance in book two. Okay, so I guess he's not dead. Maybe he maybe he just immediately fled the car as soon as shit happens. <laughs> yeah, you can say. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so not dead yet. <laughs> probably. We don't know in what state he appears in season two. <laughs> yeah, probably know he might be like the one Randall that's just in uh, the fucking jar. Did that Randall make it out of the at the box, out of the ball pit car? Who can say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if, like, something falls on a Randall, they just fly into, like, multiple different little Randalls, so he's probably fine. I mean, I would say that probably yes, on account of Randalls are supposed to be immune to all physical damage, but also, I kind of wonder, like, Randalls are not the sort of people who would just be content to sit at the bottom of a pile of rubble all episode. <laughs> I think maybe that Randall is just trapped in that vase and that it didn't get broken and that he got buried. So you're saying Khaki Bottom's trapped have been there for some nefarious purpose. Now he's stuck. Yes. And Tulip doesn't free him. <laughs> Either that or just like this Randall thought it would be fun to be a prize for a game <laughs> and agreed to be in this vase and then just got buried when the car collapsed. <laughs> Like they they leave the like the whole like Infinity Train series ends and like it just cuts to the ball pit car and this is Randall there in the vase that's like poking out a little bit being like guys hello 
Anyone coming back? <laughs> no? Alright. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh that's book one, episode nine. Yeah. And I suppose we should finish up book one then. Unless uh that's fair. unless you wanted to do the pitch now. Yeah, well I will say that we'll probably do that pretty soon, but it is weird to me how little happens in this episode considering like it is an exposition episode we learn mm -hmm. a lot about what's going on with amelia but it's also kind of a lot of nothing yeah it's, <laughs> i mean it's mostly just because they're not traversing through a train car is the thing because it's like well, they're, they're still just in the ruins of the ball pit car they don't really leave much of anywhere because they're in the tape for most of it and then they're like let's jury rig some electronics to fuck with the train and stuff yeah, that's fair. I guess I just mean, like, as much as the show tells us that personal growth is happening here, I don't really feel like it is. But apart from the I'm not leaving yet thing, there's just... Tulip isn't really learning or growing or changing at this point. She will once she has this encounter, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, she does, like, I mean, she does say that, like, Amelia is just running away from her past, kind of like I am. So, like, she does at least acknowledge that she was fleeing from that. I guess that's fair. I, hmm. Like, she's, re like, she's realized that it's like, yeah, she didn't actually want to go to camp. She just wanted to get away from her shitty situation with her parents being divorced. Because, like, I mean, well, even see, even back in, yeah, like, the very first like, episode, she was, like, pissed being like, a lot of people's parents are divorced. It's not a big fucking deal. And it's like, it clearly is, too, living and haven't actually, can, like, dealt with it yet. I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. But that's not... If she acknowledged that that was the case, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. But that's not what she says here. And while I understand that not everything has to be textual, especially in this show, which aims for older audiences... It just feels a little bit like a letdown to me for her to have this revelation without saying, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I guess. But this is just an exposition dump episode, and I kind of feel like I don't want that for the penultimate episode of a season. I feel like this should have been earlier. Mm, yeah, maybe. I guess, I guess it mostly is just like, because these episodes are only 10 minutes long, it's like a little bit... Where it's like, okay, well, there's only 10 more minutes here, and it's like we had 20 total with these two episodes, and like half of that is just exposition about another character, as opposed to Tulip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alright, um, well, now that we've got that episode out of the way, I do think we need to talk about our Patreon real quick. Uh, of course, we are at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast, and, uh, we got a bunch of good stuff for you over there. <laughs> uh... Yeah, uh, of course, the main thing that we do over there is uh, The Axe Files, a podcast where we reread every Animorphs book in order. And we're just about to, when you're hearing this, the first episode of book three has released, so I hope you like thermals. <laughs> oh boy, there's a lot of them, and I feel like it's going to be that way anytime we have a Tobias book. <laughs> kind of comes with the territory being stuck as a verb. <laughs> It surely does. And then, of course, at the higher level, we do, um, you know, I, I've got a weekly book review and recommendation, and then you do your uh, 
your dramatically uh, longer look, let's play. It's usually not two and a half hours. The latest one is, and that's just because uh, I fucking lost track of the time and did not pause in the middle to make it be two. But also by that point, I had already decided, uh, basically, that I was gonna go ahead and buy like a like, not like Elgato tier capture card, but something like you know at least a decent one. So this way, I could actually have Switch yeah. games on it too, because I mean Zelda releases next week, so it'll arrive before then. So, but also, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> I was mostly focusing on, like, the story stuff in the, the silly space lesbian train game. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? And, There's and trains. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the other big thing that we do for our patrons, of course, is a uh, shout-out on the episodes. So, <laughs> our major thanks go out to... Aurora Borealis, Trigger Harpy, and Bookcase Queen. That's right, we've got three patrons now, and we owe so much to all of you. I mean, we don't, y'all are paying us, but we feel like, like you know do. what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It's, it's just really a thrill to be able to do this show for you, and we appreciate your contributions to making and it happen. It helps us uh, cover the hosting fees, like, fully in full now at this point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it surely does. So we are so grateful for you and hope you're enjoying your bonus content. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much it. So let's just jump right. right back into the show. <laughs> All right. I guess we should get into the finale then, huh? Say goodbye to yeah, Tulip. I suppose so. Well, say it's weird to be finishing a season already. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're only five. Well, they're only equivalent of five normal episodes of what we normally would do. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I just, it feels weird for it to be this fast. Yeah. This is our fifth Infinity Train episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're I, already a quarter of the way through. Yeah, I think I think it's, again, like, we knew it would be a shorter season over, uh, series overall, because it is way less episodes, and they're shorter. But, yeah. it's like, nothing wrong with that, and also it's like, it is an anthology series, so, yeah, they want to cover different people with different problems compared to just... I feel like if it was like if like if Tulip had this revelation and then she spent like another two and a half seasons on the train because stuff happens like kind of like oh sorry you lost your exit because you blew it up like Luce did it's like well where'd you go from here <laughs> it'd be a bit much if I, if it's like all right well I guess I'm walking to the other end of the train now to find where that door went <laughs> yeah I guess yeah. Yeah, in any case, uh, episode 10 of book 1 of Infinity Train is called The Engine, because we're finally at the engine. Uh, obviously, the group arrives at the engine, where they see that there's a car currently being built by Amelia sticking out from the top of it, with the cat explaining that the train is just never finished when Tulip's like, God, she's making more cars? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because <laughs> the train doesn't end, Tulip, it's kind of called the Infinity Train. Well, I guess she doesn't know it's called the Infinity Train, but it's like... Yeah, she would have no way of knowing yeah, it. It's not she, she just knows it's the train, but it's like, and everybody else calls it just the train, but it's like, it goes on way longer than any other train. You kind of would think that maybe by elimination, especially with how long she's been on the train and how many cars she's gone through, it's like, yeah, this train probably doesn't have an end, really. <laughs> It just yeah, keeps it going. does also have the whole infinity sign door thing going on. Yeah, so there is that. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, at some point, you probably have to be like, "Hang on, that that looks like a Mobius sign," <laughs> and and then you have giant like weird uh, fusion people that usually are in red suits show up and get to fight them with the uh, Ouroboros people. 
<laughs> Xenoblade. <laughs> I got it in somehow. Look, they called themselves Mobius for a fucking reason. They have the Infinity sign in their eyes. It happens. <laughs> I can't see the Infinity symbol now without immediately thinking the versus Mobius battle song. Because <laughs> that's what happens now. <laughs> in any case. Uh, the captain uses this moment to basically head on out, uh, since she held up her end of the bargain, and also giving them a free ride without actually offering anything in exchange, so she, you know, good on the cat, I guess. Uh, Tulip says goodbye and thanks to her, and after the cat leaves, Tulip packs up the little BTV that apparently she just took with her, and Amelia's tape, just puts a rope around Atticus's tube, because he's just still in here. I, I, I guess golems don't have to breathe because Atticus has been in this tube for hours. It doesn't seem like it's like it seems like it must be airtight, right? Yeah, I <laughs> guess. In there. She also does just kind of throw that. She tube really down, does. Like he, a fifty foot. Yeah, he, he just drops like fifty feet and it's fine. <laughs> I guess because he's a monster cockroach dog, but it's like she just does push that tube down. <laughs> it just falls. <laughs> just dunk. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then she climbs up onto the new car and hauls out against up after her. So, again, Tulip has gains, apparently, I guess, for the last few months on the train. Oh, well, she's using a pulley. It's fine. True. It, it's really just a rope. I don't see a pulley system, though. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, uh, they all start sliding down the car since it's on an angle, just sticking out from, like, where the engine is, more or less. But it stopped when they hit some cabling and Tulip next had a train orb out of one of its sockets that starts making some parts of the townscape vanish. And I guess it's worth mentioning at this point, this place kind of just looks like another college campus. So, you know, probably related to the other car that we saw a college campus in, huh? Seems reasonable. Yep. In any case, uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, uh, Tulip has one Wednesday in her backpack as she slides into the engine room, aka Amelia's bedroom, I guess, because she just has a bed and stuff there. Who <laughs> uh, is serious that Tulip's here at all, and then even more so when she says that her number is at a zero, being like, why didn't you just fucking leave? And Tulip then says that she's here to make a trade of getting Atkins back, and in exchange, Amelia gets her tape, at which point she just slides the TV with the tape in it at her, and Amelia <laughs> just stupidly looks down at the TV, despite knowing what these tapes do. So, not sure what you were expecting there, lady, when you looked at this TV slid towards you. But, yeah. <laughs> in any case, uh, Tulip runs and starts the cannon. There's, like, a little beeper thing, more or less, on the side of Amelia's, like, whole large head. I don't know exactly what this thing is. It's like some, I guess it's like a, like, uh, like a fail-safe system that she's created, more or less. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's an alarm for, oh no, I'm stuck in my own head. <laughs> or, yeah, like, something's going on, come here, kind of deal of, like, that just activates if she's in trouble or something. But yeah, she basically has that pop up on her little, the side of her head, and it alerts the steward who comes by, but he just ignores Tulip entirely, doesn't go and fight her. Which is for the best. He, uh, yeah, because Tulip is a 12-year-old kid, and the secret is a giant uh, robot monster <laughs> who has laser guns. <laughs> a little one-sided. Uh, <laughs> but she finds what one one calls the monster cannon. <laughs> it's just basically like it... It really does look a lot larger when Tulip holds it compared to like when Am Amelia held it, just because, like, you know, she has, like, larger, like mechanical hands so it looked like more of a pistol oh, then yeah. compared to now it's like she has basically just like a fucking like two-handed gun kind of thing 
But yeah. I mean, Amelia is wearing a 15 foot tall mech suit, of course. True, true. yeah. <laughs> Turns out things look a little bit smaller when you're a giant mech compared to a 12 year old kid. Uh, but yeah, but he says that none of the orbs nearby are corgi orbs. He just knows somehow. And that uh, the steward then smashes the TV to free Amelia. And she's even more pissed, <laughs> obviously. Because Tulip forced her to li- relive painful memories. And then she, at that point she threatens to move Tulip's exit so far down the train that she'd actually just straight die before reaching it again. <laughs> kind of dark. Uh, but Tulip refuses to leave without Atticus, so Amelia presses the button and sends the ball pit car all the way back to the end of the train, presumably. And then <laughs> she does the, like, the, the usual sine wave thing to address the steward, who goes into attack. Uh, but basically, while they're swiping at uh, Tulip, they end up smacking the cannon in, all the way into the other car, uh, where it gets stuck on a fire hydrant, because it has like one of those like gunslings on it, I guess is the best way I can describe it. You know, like the mm-hmm. things that people use if they're just like carrying a gun on the back, like if it's a big enough gun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sling. Yeah. And that... It is hmm? a little... No, I'm just... I don't know why the gun has the sling on it, considering, like... It's from... It's way the, the too fr- small for Amelia to use for her robot. Yeah, and it's like, it's from the front of the train, so it wouldn't necessarily have one of those normally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. In any case, uh, when Tulip uh, backs up towards uh, the other train car, she realizes that the rope attached to Atticus's tube is right there, because Atticus didn't get dragged into the car with her. And <laughs> so she just tugs him to basically bust him out of his little like enclosure to attack the steward. Just <laughs> convenient that she happens to be, or the steward happens to be right there and close enough that Atticus goes for it instead of anyone else. So at that, Tulip then asks one one to go look for a way to stop the steward or the train or whatever the fuck else, really, while she goes for the cannon. But Amelia sees her escape into the other car and then goes and chases after her after doing the whole, like, okay, well, my cloak's going to slow me down. So she just rips, like, the cloak that she's had around the rest of her mech suit so you see way more of its, like, skeletal structure, more or less. Yeah, it is really messed up looking. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's really just like when you see it fully like that. It's just it's just a hodgepodge of bullshit <laughs> compared to like when she still had like the cloak on. Because <laughs> like one of the late yeah, up to this point, it seemed pretty like consistent and terrifying. It, now it just kind of looks like she built it at her garage. <laughs> yeah, because like one of the legs is this really like straight up just like a peg leg compared to like a normal foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like why can't you find like something else to give yourself more stability, lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's gonna come back to bite her in the ass, actually, during this. <laughs> Explicitly so. <laughs> Too bad, Amelia. You had like 20 something years to actually think about this and did not ever finish this. <laughs> oh well. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Tulip grabs onto a tree, but ends up knocking some turtles off of it because it doesn't have actual leaves, it has turtles on the tree. <laughs> Which then makes her realize that Amelia built the unfinished car and that this is in all the car. Like, this car and that car were modeled after old college campus because she's trying to just recreate her old life, because that's healthy. Uh, <laughs> so Amelia pissed is like, of course I'm trying to do that. So she attacks Tulip, but Tulip defends herself to Dylan Holder, because, hey, remember that thing was still in her backpack for, like, the last months? Yeah. <laughs> like, we got a mech suit, now it's a donut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say, Everything do you can... think? Because... The, the unfinished car had some pretty distinct similarities to the Corgi car. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's related at all? Do you think Amelia accidentally created the Corgi car? Uh, I feel like the Corgi car maybe already existed, and she's just, like, reusing some assets from it. 
That makes more Am- sense. Amelia yeah. is an asset flipper, is what we're saying. <laughs> she, she's definitely. Well, that's what we said about Tulip in the first episode. So we've come full circle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You emulate the people you hate the most in some ways, <laughs> and then you have to realize, oh, I need to actually do some of my, of my own rather than just doing exactly what the bad guy's doing. <laughs> yeah. In any case, <laughs> I totally forgot. We I, I make that same exact joke about Tulip. <laughs> uh, it was a month ago. So silly. Uh, but yeah. Uh, during all this, as uh, Amelia is fighting uh, Tulip, one one just casually walks right past the steward in Atticus's fight, just being like, don't mind me. <laughs> I'm just a little robot. Uh, but yeah, Tulip tells Amelia that she cannot just make any car she wants, but she just says that she merely wants one with work in it, and, that's, and that if Tulip would definitely make a car where her parents are in it, but Tulip refutes this because it wouldn't be real and they wouldn't be happy together. So again, Tulip has more maturity than this like 60-year-old woman. Because, yeah, I looked <laughs> it up. Amelia's in her 60s. So yeah, you were correct. It was yeah. around... I guess it probably like was the 70s when they were in that uh, flashback at the school, in their high school, whatever. Cause I, I guess that's yeah. fair. I was thinking like 67 to 68 time. but Yeah, like yeah. unless they were like kids during that, like 6 or 7, but I doubt that. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't be... Well, they were definitely pretty young, but... <laughs> yeah, but they were close to, like, around two lip days more than anything in that flashback. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, in any case, Amelia says that she can make a car exactly as Tulip would want it, because I guess she's just trying to bank on, I have more experience at this. But Tulip knows better and just shouts at her, you can't even make a car without turtles in it. Fully tries to just do a murder on Amelia here, because she definitely does crack Amelia on the robot head with the donut holer. Because, like, at this point, she doesn't know that Amelia is a person inside the mech suit. For all she knows, Amelia is, like, had to, like, upload her consciousness into a robot because, like, maybe her body was failing or something. So, like, if she broke this robot's head and that was the case, she would have just fully killed Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, uh, it's not the case because uh, it cracks the mech soup open to reveal that she's just inside because it's just she's literally just driving a robot around. And the mech suit is a donut now. Yeah, exactly. It's got a hole in it. <laughs> everything, can be, everything potentially can be a donut if you try hard enough and you have a lead mm-hmm. pipe. I mean, the donut holder. Uh, and then Tulip basically starts knocking dozens of orbs out of their sockets, which starts making even more of the car disappear, including the hydrant that is only the cannon ever reach, because she's just literally trying whatever she can, really, to fight a lady yeah. in a robot suit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she grabs the cannon and spots an inert corgi around and realizes that there must be an orb for it somewhere. And I say inert corgi, it's really a corgi that's like basically just like, again, a unity asset of a corgi that's like upside down. Yeah. <laughs> it's really all just it a, is. Like a half-baked drawing. <laughs> yeah. Which again, brings up a lot of questions about what it is to be a person on the train if uh, this is what you kind of can like be created as. Then it's like, oh, there's just like copy-paste, uh, like, yeah, corgi more or less, where it's like... Well, some of the corgis <laughs> have, like, different color palettes. It's like Smash Bros, I guess. But mm-hmm. really brings up a question about individuality and sense of self in terms of the people aboard the train. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I'll also... Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh, she realizes that, but basically all she does by trying to knock more orbs out is that she basically just ports away like the uh fucking truck she's hiding behind and basically narrowly dodges Amelia also making a very real attempt to skewer her through the head with her own lead pipe (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> and then she yells that she's just been trying to keep one at bay, which is a weird thing to say, but Tulip realizes it's that she must mean one one, who at that ha moment happens to find a him-side socket in the engine's computer and realizes that the computer is his mom. Because, makes sense. It's... Uh, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't know. He, he seems to be pretty convinced about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that globe from the cat's car was his mom. Uh, I, well, I mean, the whole, the whole, it's his hole. It was made for him. <laughs> he fits perfectly. Well, yeah, but nobody ever said that the hole was your mother. <laughs> well, no, the computer is his mother. The hole is just where he fits inside. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds weird and bad out of context. <laughs> The hole is where he fits inside. <laughs> in, any, in any case, uh, Tulip finds the corgi orb, loads into the gun, and slides past Amelia to the engine to try to hit Atticus with the beam. But she only ends up turning some monitors and, like, a bed and a sink into dog-shaped monitor bed and sink. Which, uh, somebody has to have tried to make, like, the corgi monitor at the least to sell, right, on Etsy? <laughs> <laughs> Has to have. It's like, if any train team, you're missing an opportunity if you didn't make merchandise of that or tried to recreate that. Yeah, yeah. No, we can't call the episode that. <laughs> we cannot call the episode one one fits in his mother's hole. <laughs> I had to repeat it just so the listener knew what I had to. I had to shut down. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> We've, we've had some bad titles for episodes in the past, and we intentionally did not go with a really bad title for the first episode of Infinity Train. We can't do it this time around with 1 1. You never let me have any fun. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure the podcast doesn't get taken down of like iTunes or something. Even though they let us, they let us use like words like piss and stuff like that, they don't care if we talk about tits apparently in the title. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, I'm, we will be fine. <laughs> yeah. But, alright, fine, whatever, I guess. In, in, in any case, <laughs> uh, Tula tries again and manages to Atticus, which causes him to basically like temporarily flinch during his fight with the steward, which allows the steward to have the opportunity to like, smack him into a wall. And but he still a him, unfortunately. And then Amelia grabs her and gloats about her not getting a dog nor her parents back after all this. And it's like, well, oh, what'd you get in the end? And then they just casually also hear one one rolling into the socket <laughs> because, oops, <laughs> <laughs> bad timing on your little bit of like declaring uh, victory too early there, Amelia. Just a bit. Yeah. Uh, the entire engine basically just fully restarts. Like all the lights turn off and back on. With him being able to halt the steward, who tries to like lunge for him, but he stops it right before he's able to, and that leaves a position right underneath uh, Gomaticus, who at normal Atticus just apparently is like I guess a butterfly at this point because he just burst out of the gome body as himself. He doesn't like revert. <laughs> he doesn't like transform back. He just burst out of the like exoskeleton of like the cockroach yeah. dog, which is a little weird. But he does so, I guess, with enough force that he just goes right through the steward's head and just kills it. <laughs> just immediately. <laughs> Very powerful corgi. Yeah. So the, I guess the question that I was going to ask earlier, but we really don't know, is I'm curious, this, this corgi gun, mm -hmm. which it is right now, Corgan. if Tulip had shot um, Amelia with it, what do you think would have happened? Would it have just been nothing because she's not a denizen, or...? Uh, good question, yeah, because, like, it could be just that it wouldn't have an effect on, like, passengers because of them not being denizens of the train, 
But at the same time, it could have turned her into a dog person. We don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll never know unless these guns with these orbs show up again in later seasons. Yeah, I feel like uh, turning your enemy who's piloting in a mech into a corgi would be a great way to uh, end the threat of a mech. That's how you just end up with an even more pissed off dog hybrid person inside the dog themed mech. <laughs> and therefore, probably uh, ratchets up their attempt to murder you even more. <laughs> I mean, because maybe. you just disfigured them into uh, a dog person against their will. <laughs> yeah, but if it turns them all the way into a corgi, then they can't reach the controls anymore, but, and you're good. But the thing is that, like, it turns those inanimate objects into just like corgi-themed versions of the object. Like, the bed is still a bed; it just has like a corgi aesthetic to it. So it's like it's not like the bed gets fully and turned into a corgi. So I feel like if you were able to shoot a person with it, it would turn them into a person-dog hybrid instead of a dog. <laughs> I mean, maybe? It's not like Atticus becomes a gom corgi hybrid. <laughs> Who knows? We'll never know, I guess. I'm fairly sure that Atticus isn't going to go around eating people's souls. You don't know who Atticus is really like. <laughs> unfortunately, we don't. I don't either, because Atticus has really not been a factor in much of this show, unfortunately. <laughs> He was introduced only at the start of the third episode, and then basically hasn't been in the last two episodes at all. <laughs> at least in terms of normal etiquette <laughs> that we think of. <laughs> and most of the time he's just been there for comic relief more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in any case, uh, da -da -da -da, where was I? Uh, yeah, the other car, meanwhile, just starts to arbitrarily kind of break apart at this point. I guess because of the whole, like, engine rebooting. And while Tuna was able to easily slide into the engine just fine, and really it just fully eats ship because, uh, not ship, shit, because her uh, mech suit hits a lamppost and just breaks the entire thing apart because it was already shitty designed anyway. It turns out <laughs> if you can break it apart by just smacking on the head of a lead pipe, it's not really going to be held together by much. Uh, and then she basically just like gets dropped off in the engine as the car's door seals. And the bus, the what I called the bus campus car, because that's the best I could describe it as, uh, then gets sent back to the back of the train, much like the uh, Buffett car from earlier, just to get it out of the way, I guess. And then Tulip and I gets reunited, and she gives him back his crown. And I gotta say, similar to King without his uh, little like dog collar, I think this without his crown also looked weirdly naked. I gotta say, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh. You give you give a like a cre uh, animal creature like some little minor article of clothing, even if it's a collar or a hat of some sort. The moment that they don't have it, they just look oddly naked, I guess. Also, excuse <laughs> me for that weird intake of breath. I don't know what the fuck that was. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Yeah, no, I guess I just weirdly took it, did an intake of breath through my mouth there. <laughs> weird. I don't know. In any case, uh, da, da, da. yeah, yeah, they meet one one's mother, gets introduced to them as, hey, this is my mom. <laughs> and Tulip then realizes that he's the real conductor and is furious that immediately ripped him out of it, but she just moans about how he didn't make a car for her despite having all the power of the train to do whatever he wanted. Which is like, I kind of feel like not on him, because also, again, the train's purpose is not to just give you what you want, it's to basically help you realize what the situation's like and to help you move on with your life <laughs> rather than mm -hmm. just telling the train what to do. Uh, don't know how the fuck uh, one one got all the way back in the snow car. <laughs> I 
how would that have happened? Did, did Amelia put him in like basically a Futurama tube or something like that that she could create and just shunt him into whatever fucking random car? <laughs> I don't know. He got there somehow. Uh, I believe he just kind of got dropped off there randomly. Yes, like yeah, like some there's a summit. reason, but I'm fairly sure it was more or less on accident. Yeah, she didn't know where he was, so yeah, like some in the random car just tossed him through the door or whatever, and then closed it and sent sent it to an arbitrary place on the car on the train or whatever. Well, I don't think that's quite it because like she this whole time has been trying to keep him from figuring out stuff and finding his way to the engine, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know that she just throw him somewhere random on the train. You might as well just throw him off into the endless wasteland. If yeah, you're that. yeah, pretty much. So maybe, maybe once he got... He somehow got separated from her and she just couldn't find yeah, him again. Yeah, like, like maybe once he got pulled out of there, he managed to like wiggle away because that's kind of just what one one does. And then he just like forgot everything immediately because he's one one and just like wandered <laughs> off somewhere and she's like oh fuck <laughs> well yeah, i guess that problem maybe solved itself but oh god <laughs> yeah in any case uh yeah Tula tells her that she has to learn how to live in this life but Amelia just doesn't want to move on with that all work at all so Tulip tells her that she's sorry that she lost her husband but that neither of them can live in the past and that's adapted to the changes in our lives but at that point, Amelia reveals that she'll be on the train forever because she just has her number like spread out all across her body, conveniently not her face, but everywhere else, basically. <laughs> uh, and that she actually feels bad about taking away Tulip's exit car as her number very slightly decreases. It goes from, like, a, like I forget the digits, but it's like two digits at the end change a little bit, just a little bit, not a whole lot. <laughs> Uh, but one one says he's easily handle, able to handle it easily, and he brings the train to a complete halt, which I feel like the train's really not done much. Aside, well, it did, it did slightly in the first episode when it was just, like, stopped in the wasteland at one point for Tulip to climb down. Yeah, he does that and reopens her door right there in the engine room, and Tulip is then sad that she has to leave her friends behind, unexpectedly, not... Even though it's like her door showed up once before, somehow she's like, I'm not ready for this, but it's like, it, you, you already had to show up once before. You kind of already know that this was going to probably happen again, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but she wishes them goodbye and hugs them, and then tells Amelia that she hopes she can get her exit one day, and head through a door. And at that we get... Kinda... Hmm? Oh, I was just going to say, I kind of wonder, like, Amelia told her she'd never see her door again. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe she resigned herself to dying on this train when that happens. It really did sound like it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but in any case, uh, the last scene that we have is says that it's seven months later, and it's Tulip's dad comes to pick her up for her camp, which kind of implies that she must have been on the train for at least five months if it's like a whole year afterwards. <laughs> kind of deal, uh, right? Maybe. Unless the camp, I don't... unless the camp happens at like two random different points of the year, but like Tulip's already said at that point she was on the train for months, so. I mean, it's just a weekend camp, right? Like, yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't offer it fairly often. Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah. I guess... What are the points? I don't think we know if there's any actual time dilation, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if she was gone for however long in the real world, or if it was just, boom, she wakes up in the middle of the woods in that same night. Well, I do have a little bit related to the trivia, because, uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, let me bring that up again real quick, because I didn't write it down. Uh, where the <laughs> fuck was it? Uh, buh, 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 buh. Where the fuck was the episode? The, there it is, the engine. Okay. So, uh, just to, going out of a little bit of order, but here we go. Uh, 
It says here, although Owen Davis has frequently disavowed canalizing elements of Infinity Train outside of what ha is present in the show, he revealed on Twitter that during production, the crew considered Tulip's exit from the train to canonically take place on April 22nd, 2022. And now, if I go back to... Uh, I'm trying to see season one. No, yeah. To go back to episode one. It was one. snowing when the portal opened. Yeah. The grid car, to look at that continuity... That says this episode takes place on November 22nd, 2019, so it was exactly five months that she was on the train, based on what they're saying. Which then they were convenient- uh, No, I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, no, November, November 2019 to April 2020. You said 2022 a moment ago. I said, I meant 2020, <laughs> my mistake, not 2020. Okay, she's was that's she, a lot longer than five months. Yeah, no, she was, not on the she was on the train for two and a half years. No, yeah, no, I meant 2020. But uh, basically, he also realized that this meant that Trulip would have gone off the train during the height of the coronavirus pandemic. Kind of similar with, like, uh, Luce, I guess, in a sense, where it's like, well, she technically would have started in the demon realm in, like, around September 2019, if that was set in the modern day. Well, I guess, actually, no, because that will have started airing in, like, January 2020. So I guess close enough that it's like, oh, Luce ever escaped the coronavirus for a little bit, or she gets back, like, right at the start of it, and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a little bit out of order, but I thought I'd bring that up, because it's like, that seems to imply that it's a whole year later when the epilogue takes place, right? That would make sense, I guess, yeah. Yeah. If, if she was actually on the train for five months. Yeah, I uh, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, about yeah. What her parents' situation is yeah, if she was physically gone for that. That's long. one of the things that I feel like they probably could have addressed because, like, obviously they don't really get into like her getting back home to like have her parents be like, "Oh, holy shit, you're still alive" or anything like that. Because like, not like how like we obviously got like that scene with like when both Luce and and got back home in their respective series after being stuck mm -hmm. in the demon realm and frog world for like half a year each <laughs> roughly or whatever yeah <laughs> so but like in both those cases Luce and Anne both had relative proof of what they were doing like yeah tulip cannot show up five months later and say, yeah oh, it's, uh, it's a little a it's a little different when like uh Anne showed up literally with sentient frog people and like in Luce's case had to tell her mom the truth because she was staring literally at a, like, snake monster person. And then when she actually gets back, finally, she has literally four kids that have elf ears <laughs> and magic. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you really can't deny the proof here of frog people and witches. <laughs> Compared to, yo, hey, I was on a train for five months. There was a little robot. There was a talking dog. Occasionally an asshole cat. <laughs> there was a kid lady in a mecha suit. <laughs> Just trust me on this. Yeah, that's not going to go over well with child services. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, like, for time constraints and everything, but it's, like, I feel like they could have, like, had something there of, like, oh, yeah, Tulip, yeah, you definitely were on a train that whole time, uh-huh. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely don't tell anybody any of this. We're just, uh, we'll just pretend you were upstate and we forgot somehow. <laughs> and, uh, because otherwise we're definitely going to lose custody of you. <laughs> uh, well, see, I read Hatchet last semester in English class, and I really... <laughs> I feel like I read, like, the first two chapters of Hatchet, and that was it once before in, like, high school. I know the, Ooh, I know the premise. Wow. I know the premise, yeah, but I don't remember much of it. Uh, like, I mean, I remember definitely opening the book, but I don't... I never read all of it. We 
Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, it's again one of those weird things where it's like we mentioned on X Files where I'm like, I know I definitely opened the book that had Tobias on the cover because they was talking about him being a bird. And it's like, I don't remember the context. So far, I don't think it's this one in particular. It must be a different Tobias book because it doesn't sound familiar to me based on what I read so far. I don't know. Hatchet is just like quintessential children's literature to me it's weird when i meet someone who hasn't read it i mean it's that was what i also thought of like stuff like catcher in the rye and the crucible which i read both of those in high school but like in college i met people who had never read them before children's literature that's a very different fair but it's like everybody knows about catcher in the rye because everybody knows holden caulfield sucks ass (laughs) that's the whole point yeah Yeah. (laughs) entire book's about him being a dickhead But it's like, I just thought people knew that. And like, I met people in college, they were like, oh yeah, I never heard that. What? It's like, oh, how'd you, you never heard of Catcher in the Rye? Weird. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I didn't even read Frankenstein until I was in college, but that was also because one of my classes requirements. Well, yeah, I think that makes more sense though. Frankenstein is, I think, relatively rarely selected as mm. a mandatory reading book. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like... I just feel like everybody between the ages of 8 and 14 probably read Hatchet, and clearly you're disproving Yeah, yeah clearly. Uh, b- blame Sachem High Schools, I guess? <laughs> it's not usually required reading. It's just an incredibly popular book for that age group. Yeah, no, for some reason I just never read it. Mm. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I read all of them. There were five. There were five They're of good. those? <laughs> I think there were five or six. I what, think it was five. What the fuck? <laughs> I thought I heard that at some point there was a sequel. I didn't realize there were like four more sequels. <laughs> oh, yes. That's so weird. Uh, there's five of them, yes. Yeah, that's weird. Because <laughs> it's like, I know the premise is like it's kid who's like gets lost in the wood because of like a plane crash, right? Something like that? Yeah, he. So his parents are divorced, mm-hmm. and so he's on like a, a two seater Cessna plane flying up north to visit his dad in Canada. And then the plane crashes, and he's just stuck in the Canadian wilderness with no help because the pilot died, mm-hmm. and that's why the plane crashed. Oh, the pilot died before the plane crashed, not because of the plane crash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the plane crashed, is because the pilot had a heart attack. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. I don't know. The second one and, is my and, favorite and, one. And then it just happens to be like a fucking Home Alone situation where he's like, how did I get fucking lost in the woods again? What the fuck? <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's real solid survival story about how to you know kind of figure out how to survive in the woods hmm. and he's out there for i think it's five to six months because it's beginning of summer to beginning of winter so like six-ish months yeah, and bye. <laughs> the second one is my favorite because he gets rescued at the end of the first one mm-hmm. And then in the second one, the, the the government is all like, "Oh, hey, hold on, that's not normal. A child shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, can we maybe? You want to go back out there and show us how you did that, so we can integrate it into our survival training?" Oh, great! Uh, <laughs> like as soon as you were talking about like the military gets involved, I'm like, "Is this going to be like Louis? They're using this kid to train soldiers, and it like turns out, yeah, I guess." <laughs> Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, great. Except the guy they send with him to observe him to take notes for the class gets hit by lightning. So then he has to... <laughs> so he's like, oh, god fucking damn it. Yeah, so the rest of the book, it's it's still a survival novel, but it's a travel story of him trying to transport this deeply injured man all the way to the nearest trading post to get help. 
the third book is him just being like, yo, if you want to send me back out there again, send like uh, like a drone or something with me. Oh, wait, no, drones can also be struck by lightning. Shit. Uh, send something <laughs> that can't be easily struck by lightning or have a heart attack. Give me a robot <laughs> of some kind that can traverse the wilderness too. <laughs> Uh, no, the, the third book is uh, an alternate timeline in which he doesn't get saved at the beginning of winter and has to survive the whole winter. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I think that becomes the canon timeline after that, because uh, the next two, four and five, happen after the winter time, so... Cool. Just, just continues to continue to dunk on this poor child. <laughs> well, because... So the thing is, is that in 4 and 5, like, he spent too long in the woods. He can't stand normal society anymore, so he keeps going back on, like, extended hiking trips and stuff. <laughs> like, the wilderness changed me, I can't go back to society. Yeah, exactly. My home is out there now. <laughs> and then... I didn't... Uh... Of all the I think the f of all the things I think we could talk about in this episode, Hatchet was definitely not on my list. <laughs> I don't know why you don't expect long conversations about children's literature when I'm on the podcast. <laughs> I guess because I wasn't expecting Hatchet to come up. <laughs> I feel like I mentioned Mr. Popper's penguins, but also I haven't yeah. gotten into excruciating detail about Mr. Popper's penguins. <laughs> You're the one who was so surprised by how many hatchet books there were. We had to talk I about doing, that. I wouldn't expect that there'd be five stories about the same boy just getting screwed over by circumstance. <laughs> well, no, that's not entirely fair. In Brian's hunt, he didn't get screwed over by circumstance. He went to the woods deliberately, and then it turns out that there was a bear hunting people out there, so he decides to hunt it first. Oh, so what you're saying is that the kid from Hatchet is in Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I mean, more or less, yeah. He becomes, like, this prototypical wilderness guy who's just out there acting as a vigilante park ranger. Sure. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, whatever. We, I, I know we have a question. <laughs> I think yeah, actually we, a few, we have a couple a few questions, questions actually. But the same person, yeah. <laughs> Three, in fact. Yes, uh, if you'd like to send us questions, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter, uh, usweirdos on cohost, or usweirdoscast at gmail.com. I'm going to uh, lobby a motion to change all of those to hatchetcast, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> for the moment, we have, well, three questions, but one tweet. Four questions, but one tweet. Wow. Uh, <laughs> absolute champion Aurora Borealis at Casey Cosmos asks... You are given a gun that turns things into other things. What does it turn stuff into, and how do you use it for fun and or for profit? Soup. <laughs> Soup gun. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Is it a specific soup, or is that a setting on the gun you can adjust? I think it depends on what you shoot, right? Whatever you shoot gets turned into the main ingredients of the soup. <laughs> like, maybe there's, like, little <laughs> settings of, like, what kind of broth you want, where it's like, you want chicken broth, beef broth, veggie broth kind of deal, but it's like, I think it depends on what you shoot. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I don't know, because then if you shoot a brick wall or something, are you ending up brick with stone soup? soup? Yes. You're ending up, yes, if you shoot a brick wall, you end up with newspaper comic stone soup. <laughs> As your soup. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. <laughs> oh, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. 
I know the children's book Stone Soup, which was the joke I was making. I don't know about a newspaper comic. Okay, no, I didn't actually think Stone Soup is actually what people... It's European folk story in which hungry strangers convince people to a town. They each share a meal of their own food in order to make a meal that everyone enjoys. Okay, I didn't realize. Maybe, I guess that's maybe... Actually makes a lot of sense why the comic Stone Soup is called that now. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like... This is the joke I was making. I was drawing us into another discussion about children's literature, but then you totally derailed tur me with the newspaper tur comic. Turns out. <laughs> but also, I was going to beg on you would know the comic, but I guess not. <laughs> That's on me, I guess. <laughs> uh, Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Red. Um, I don't know. Maybe... How do I... Hmm. 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 How do I use a gun that can turn things into other things for fun and or profit? Um, hmm. I'm thinking... Uh, sorry, I'm having difficulty phrasing this because mm -hmm. I want a gun that basically takes you into a character creator screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, you want, you want the edit menu gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not me take into a character screen, but whoever you shoot, right? So, uh, so, so, for... so you you have a gun that you can change people's stats, but not you know, your own stats. It's really what the situation is. Uh, you, I mean, you, I guess. You, you, can't, like... you can't aim it at yourself and put the bus slider all the way to max, which I feel like is a disappointment if you can't do it to yourself, but other, you can do it to other people. I'm... What I am proposing is that whoever gets shot by this gun gets taken to a character editor and then transformed into that. So yes. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's like the situation of like, uh, it's like God. Is it the fucking? Is it even like, is it Death Note or something like that where it's like you can do something to give up like half your life, but to find out how much other life other people have, but not use it on yourself or something. <laughs> I feel like I heard uh, that nah. there's something about that in anime where it's like you can find out how long other people have to live but not yourself and you give up half your life to do so so who knows how long you're gonna live for now as a result yeah but I, I just don't see what that has to do with my gun that turns things into other things because and that because thing is because it's like in the, because, idealized self. because in that case like you can tell how long other people are gonna live but not yourself that's the comparison I'm making because it's like it's a gun that you can use on other people to send them to their character creator screens but not yourself yeah, but I don't know why you're arbitrarily applying that limit to me. <laughs> I get because you're the one wielding the gun. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Do you... It's a laser gun. You <laughs> think it's not possible to zap yourself with a laser gun? The, the size gun that Tulip had? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you are underestimating my creativity. <laughs> I mean, in our defense, we are thirty-five. We are like thirty-year-old adults compared to a twelve-year-old, so maybe we'd have an easier time trying to shoot ourselves with the gun. <sighs> Change your... Either way, yes, I just want to turn as many people into dragons as possible. Um, <laughs> big, big old booby dragons. Uh, and then Aurora also asks, is playing the flute in Legends Arceus kind of like animal freaking? Um, maybe? I It's been long enough that I don't super remember the flute in Legends well, Arceus. It, it's, it's the one that you use basically for like essentially the equivalent of the HMs. You know, like the ride Pokemon in Sun and Moon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. you do that to do that, to basically have them like show up to do stuff to help you out to get around the world. I guess, technically. Well, I don't... I don't think it's really the same. 
it, it, it holds up in this context because they freaked the phone system so they could ask for a taxi. Yeah. But generally speaking, you're not freaking to get a car. You're doing it so you can call someone on the phone for free. That's fair. Also, we technically did skip the second part of that other question of, how, like, what would you use it for fun and or profit? But it's like, clearly, I mean, like, if you can make infinite soup, you can basically just, like, give people free soup. And, like, you could be charging to, like, let people go into their character that they're... <laughs> Yeah, but if, as per your rules, if you shoot something with the gun, then that becomes the soup. So if you're just making gross brick soup all the time, then... <laughs> Look, maybe sometimes I have actual vegetables and I shoot them to just make vegetable soup. <laughs> I don't need to shoot, like, fucking leather boots and make soup out of that and be like, eat the fucking leather boot soup and be grateful. <laughs> Peasants. A whole new meaning to boot liquor. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just thinking now of the uh, soup that I showed up in the most recent episode of Never After. <laughs> it's, it's like 70% piss. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yep. Um, and finally, Aurora asks, uh, any changes for the train you would like to put in the very real suggestion box? Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> have some logic to how the train works <laughs> yeah why does i want a, a train you don't need guns get rid of the guns <laughs> to yeah, get cool. give the guns to us the train that clearly doesn't need them we need them to make soup and the trans people's genders <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um i guess if i had a suggestion for how the train worked it would probably be like Maybe explain to the passengers that it's a self-actualization thing so they don't end up like Amelia. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe explain, like, this, this is the infinity. Like, every time they wake up, maybe they actually wake up in, like, a proper, like, seating area and not, like, a random car. And it, uh -huh. there's, like, a PA system, like, welcome to the infinity train. This is a train that helps you self-actualize your problems and grow as a person. Please don't freak. Please least, don't freak like, the fuck drop out. Drop a brochure in their pocket, right? Yeah, like do something to give people at least some hint of like what's going on. Also, I also that might make the train less effective, but also, you know, yeah, maybe at least you wouldn't end up with people staging a coup against the conductor and ruining yeah, the train for years. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe that would happen if uh, you actually told people what the train's deal was. <laughs> uh, or maybe you end up yeah. encouraging more people to try to take over the train to make it do what you want instead if you know what the train's purpose is especially if you know that uh, from the back like, especially if you know from the start the train has guns on the front <laughs> <laughs> well I mean don't tell them that part obviously <laughs> the train uh, yeah. the train P PSA message slash brochure is like also we have guns at the front please don't take them <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our last pa group of passengers took the guns. We kindly asked th that they did not do that. Please don't try to get the guns yourselves as well this time. Please and thank you. <laughs> God damn it, this keeps happening. <laughs> I guess that is a thing worth noting. Uh, they did say that Amelia had reconfigured the guns and that Tulip was going to do that also, but it really didn't end up being that, huh? Yeah, it, just needed different ammo. Yeah, just needed a different orb. <laughs> She had to consult her orb and then be like, oh, this is dog orb. Dorg. Dorg. I'm trying to combine dog and orb. 
<laughs> Corbgy. <laughs> it's the Corbgy orb. I guess if I had to zoom in on something specific, it would probably have to be the cat people orb, right? Because that seems like it would be the thing most people want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you want to be able to talk to your pets? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out most of them are actually planning to betray you and eat your corpse as soon as you die. Please, Ziggy's trying to eat me already. I'm not even dead yet. Yeah, but if you could hear Ziggy, she'd just be like, Just fucking die already! Come on, I'm tired of waiting! I wanna eat! It'll be, uh, God, it'd be like, uh, think, like imagine just how much uh, Fox from uh, The Wizard, The Witch, and The Wild One never shuts the fuck up. It'd be that constantly, every single time, hearing every animal do bullshit like that all the time. <laughs> nah, she's a sweet little baby. <laughs> I was fully expecting you to be like, and she's crashing me right there. <laughs> no, not at all. It's just that, like, she has a limited amount of communication with me on account of no sharing language, so sometimes she has to bite to get her point across. <laughs> so, you know, being able to talk to her would really mitigate that, I think. But cat, the cats have language that they design to mitigate uh, being able to talk to people, because that's how they, that's because they meow, right? Yeah, yeah, sure is, but it also is like... Sometimes meow is not enough. <laughs> you understand pain language. <laughs> well, how do I put this? Um... Some humans are worse at understanding meows than others. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have understand a couple of her intonations. She has specific meows she'll do for stuff, but there's a lot more that I just do not get. And so she'll have to, like, direct me manually to what she wants. And sometimes that involves biting. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. But aside from that, uh... Well, we already covered most of the trivia I did have as a result, but, uh... Cause we oh, were... sorry. Well, I mean, we, we brought it up with the phone freaking, because, like, again, I didn't know that was a thing until I watched the episode, and I was like, that that seems like a weird, like, stupid, like, sci-fi thing that they came up with, because they're both engineers. I didn't realize it was actually a thing until you brought it up. So, turns out, <laughs> it is real. Uh, yeah, sure is. Yeah, I mean, technically speaking, uh, episode 9 is the first episode not actually titled after a train car. We kind of already mentioned that mm -hmm. at first because there's no pass car, technically. Uh, and the only thing I really have that hasn't already been covered is that the engine episode aired on Ashley Johnson's birthday on August 9th, 2019. Well, so, that's nice. Yeah, nice little <laughs> coincidence that it aired on her birthday. Yeah, no, I, I got nothing else. We already run up Ulrich's uh, voice actor because we forgot that boy, but then it's like, oh, it's just fellas again. We're never, <laughs> never free of that asshole. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, well see. I mean, we might be free of Bellows at least in terms of the character in uh, eight days. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe. Well, I guess Who knows? nine technically. Oh boy, <laughs> not ready for that show to end. <laughs> so close. Uh, yeah, no, I got nothing yeah. else. Uh, fair enough. Uh. Bye, Tulip. We're essentially going to be dealing with kind of you, but also not you going forward, at least for the next season. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're not, not, we might be free of Tulip, but not be free of Ashley Johnson. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fine. We're going to get the best character in the show next season, so don't worry about oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and no, I'm not talking about the one you're thinking of. 
with MT, right? Uh, I said no, I'm not talking about the one you're thinking uh, of. I know there's like one other main character that is with her during that book. But... <laughs> oh, oh wait, oh, okay, I think I know. It's the deer, right? There you go. <laughs> I, was, I knew there was a deer at some point in... Uh... I think I remember at one point seeing a screenshot of MT with a deer, and I was like, what the fuck? Because I, I think there's also a bear in one of the later books, I think. I think it's the bear. Um, not that I recall, but maybe. Who knows? There's, there's like some... I didn't watch season four. Okay, that's fair. I, I think I know that there's some other like animal companion, more or less. Uh, that much, I can tell you, is true or, through three. Oh, wait, no, least. it might be a gorilla. I think that's it. I don't think it's a bear. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Right. There, there's definitely someone else in every book three or four. I forget which one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, because it, otherwise we're just going to sit here and keep spoiling more of the show. So Is, is that the deer, is that for, where the gif of like the deer taking off the hooves and it says weird, gr- gross human hands comes from? Or is that a different show? I, I believe that's Adventure Time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You can't be too sure. The train is fucking bullshit. And for all I know, it's like, yeah, if they wanted to have a, a deer that secretly has human hands and they're gross, sure. <laughs> uh, well, we'll definitely talk about that more next week, but for now, I think there's not much left to say, but I forgot the the, uh, the, the Twitter plugs. So, oh, yeah. You... <laughs> I mean, you've forgotten it before. Yeah. Um... Okay, yes. So if you are enjoying this show, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket, on co-host at nobody, and on All on the Table, a uh, actual play series on Twitch for and by trans people. Um, I'm on two of the shows. They run Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. And because this is a buffer episode, I honestly have no idea when my next episode of All on the Table is, so why not drop in? You'll see a good show either way. <laughs> And I'm still at uh, the underscore Oblivion on Twitter and just Oblivion on co-host, which I keep forgetting we have. I really should get in the habit of actually logging into that to actually post the episode links as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did it once because it was like right when like, I, I got uh, access because they, they got made into a shared account and I just kind of forgot since then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's mostly just like... A lot of weird bullshit. Again, like, if you look at my Twitter feed, it's, like, a weird mixture of me liking uh, the, the Mouseley fan art of of Mouse Ashley from Resident Evil 4, which is not an actual thing. People just came up with that, and everybody just started taking off of it. And, like, just a bunch of, like, me liking, like, old, like, uh, Scott Program fan art because of the announcement of the anime and also, like, retweeting a bunch of political bullshit, as always. <laughs> Yeah, I will say, I don't, like, I've never played Resident Evil 4, but that Mouse Ashley artwork sure is cute, I guess. Yeah, all, all like, the various, like, mouse puns that she makes, uh, based on mm-hmm. that. Of, like, this, it's, like, time for more, uh, oh, fuck, uh, it was a pun on Swiss, what the fuck was it? Uh, shit, I forget. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's only a matter of time before people actually make that a real mod, is the thing. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, there's like, a frantic race going on in Capcom of, like, they've made, like, some pretty good uh, different, like, uh, clothing options and skins for Ashley and Leon in that game for the remake. There's somebody that's been being like, fuck, how do I make Mouse Ashley before the modders do? Huh. How can we profit off of Mouse Ashley? 
gotta, we gotta, we gotta uh, profit off Mouse Lee. <laughs> also, I just like the name Mouse Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, and also there's been a lot of me like liking and uh, <laughs> pictures of Lincoln Everly making dicks in Tears of the Kingdom. Concerned <laughs> that when you can met, let people use items together, people are gonna make dicks. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a weird. It's been a weird few days on Twitter. <laughs> it's been a weird few days in general. I, yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we really are done this time. Mm-hmm. So I will say for the second time this episode that I think there's not much left to say. But remember, yeah, us so weirdos have to stick together. together. <laughs> Bye. Bye.